The gospel of Jesus is a melody. The word of God to me is not stale. Um, I remember when my brother was first learning the piano, he had these, these sheet music with notes and they were black and white and I was looking at them and they didn't make any sense to me. And you see the interesting thing about, about black notes on a page is unless they're played by someone who knows what they're doing, there's no melody. It doesn't move you. And I think a lot of us are that way with the Word of God, with certain truths that we know. See, the truths are like, like the eternal notes that God gives us, the, the truth of God's Word. When you open these pages, it's black and white, but when the Holy Spirit breathes upon it, there's music. We have been preaching a gospel that is focused on man, man's sins, what man must do to be saved, what man must do to overcome his own weakness. They come looking for a God-centered gospel that brings freedom, but they aren't finding it because it's centered on what they must do, and it's not working. So they leave. Leave the church, leave the faith, leave God. This whole time, though, the solution is simple. Return to a gospel centered on Jesus. This alone will revive us from within and awake the sleeping giant that is the global church. What began as a simple gospel has turned into a brave movement. It's not starting. It's already begun. It's not about getting Christians back into the church. It's about reviving the church through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is the result? company of burning hearts ready and willing to transform the world. Hey y'all, welcome to the Braveheart Podcast. It's Wesley here and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. In this episode, Peter is at Dwelling Place Church speaking to the young adults about the music of the gospel. And this is one of the most clear, unique, and powerful gospel sermons I've ever heard Peter teach, and, and I've heard a few, so I don't even know what else to say other than enjoy. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. David, stay up here with me. Um, I'm so aware of my need for him tonight, aren't you? Just wave at me if you're aware. It's okay if you're not. We'll be there by the end. I don't like to pretend in church, do you? I like to be real. Um, well, it's a joy to be here. I love this house. Um, I love the Needamites and everyone, just the whole family of God here. It's so beautiful what God's been doing. Um, <clears throat> you'll, you'll notice I'm kind of losing my voice a little bit, but um, God is faithful. And um, I really just want to share my heart tonight. And I'm thankful that David is playing the keys because, you know, to me, the gospel is music. The gospel of Jesus is, is a melody. Um, the word of God to me is not stale. Um, I remember when my brother was first learning the piano, he had these, these sheet music with notes and they were black and white and I was looking at them and they didn't make any sense to me. And I'm looking at the black and white notes and I was like, man, these, and I began to learn, I was in choir, so I was like, okay, that's an A, you know, F-A-C-E, and you got the treble clef and the whatever, if you know music, which I, I don't really. And, 
And you see the interesting thing about, about black notes on a page is unless they're played by someone who knows what they're doing, there's no melody. It doesn't move you. And I think a lot of us are that way with the Word of God, with certain truths that we know. See, the truths are like, like the eternal notes that God gives us, the, the truth of God's Word. When you open these pages, it's black and white, but when the Holy Spirit breathes upon it, there's music. And when you listen to music that, that you love, that you know is right, it does something to your soul. Are you with me? It's like when you've, if you've ever been to Colorado and you see just the majesty of the mountains, there's music. It does something to your soul, that beauty. And, and the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus is like that music that we were meant, we were meant to live with as the soundtrack of our soul all the days of our Christian life. And my, my burden, guys, is this for the body of Christ, is I feel like we've lost the music. We know the notes on the page. We know the, we know the right notes. We can talk about the notes. We can talk about grace. We can talk about righteousness. We can talk about Jesus. But unless, unless there's music in our souls, unless there's a real heavenly sound of God's affection, when you wake up in the morning and, and you don't have David playing the keys, and you wake up in the morning, there, there's intended, God intended for there to be a sound of His grace, of His goodness that would wake you up every single morning. Monday morning. I hear people all the time complain about Monday morning. Monday morning is a beautiful morning to encounter the grace of God. To enjoy being a son or daughter who belongs to Him. There's a beautiful sound when God smiles at you and you see His face. And my heart tonight is to, is to hopefully just share some of that music with you, to maybe remind you that this Christian life is not a march, it's a dance. It's a dance. It's a joy. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and in the Holy Spirit. You know, seriousness isn't a fruit of the Spirit. The people who were the most serious about the Great Commission were those in Acts chapter 2 who were drunk on the Spirit. See, God's like, I got to get an army ready to share my good news. Okay, what's the plan, God? Get them drunk. What do you mean drunk? Just, just take out their SIM card. Just send the Holy Ghost. Clean the temple with my blood son and send the Holy Ghost inside of them. And get them so undone. Get them so outside of self-consciousness and self-awareness and taking myself so seriously. And I don't know if I feel the love of God. I don't know if I feel like a good Christian. <laughs> There's a sound that heaven's playing over your life and it's the love of God. And it's eternal. It's eternal. See, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is eternal. It doesn't change. It doesn't shift. It doesn't move. See, there's only how many, how many notes are there, David? Like, like in, a, in a scale, seven major notes? Okay, so can you play like just seven? Give me seven notes in like C sharp. 
Okay, now now play them in, now play them in order. Just play C sharp in order. Okay. Now now play something in that in that in C sharp. Just play something. Play us a melody. Look at your face. Look at your face. Keep playing. Play from your heart. Play to him. Oh, listen to the music. Keep going, David. Let me see which one of these notes. So there's one, I saw one. This is a truth, God loves you. Where's another one? His grace saves you and empowers your life. <laughs> His grace makes you righteous. Keep going, David. Same notes, but someone who knows what he's doing with the keys is playing them. See, the truth of the gospel, what you know, they're notes, but they were meant to be played by the Holy Spirit. There was intended to be a soundtrack upon your heart that you would live with this constant state of awe and in majesty of who Jesus is and what he's done. So that anywhere you go, you know, you ever seen someone and they're wearing the beats and they're on the street and they're just, they're just bopping because it's a vibe. And deep inside, you're like, I wonder what they're listening to. This is evangelism, my friends. See, when you wake up tomorrow morning and you go to work or you go to school, you want your face you want your face and maybe even your body <laughs> to be responding to God so that the people around you say, what are you listening to? You say, oh, it's, it's the love of God. He loves you. <laughs> he loves you. And when you say it, they believe you. Why? Because they hear the sound coming out of you. It's not just a note on the thing. It actually comes with a melody out of you. Why? Because it's, it's in you. See, but you don't have this music without tension. Give me some tension, David. Give me some tension. See, a lot of you live this way. Play it. It's creepy, it's same note, same, same scale. So same notes, but you can't reconcile it. You can't reconcile it with what you think you know. I know I'm losing some of you. I'm gonna open the Bible here in a minute, but just stay with me. <laughs> I mean, it's open. 
But see, you're not used to someone coming up here and singing. You're used to them saying, A, this is the note A, this is the note B, this is the note C. But when, the, when it sings, there's a song, it's different. You, you approach it differently. See, some of you are like, well, give me, give me something. Give me a note on the page. No, 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 let's listen to the music for a minute. What's the music? It's the revelation of Jesus. Galatians chapter 1. Paul says, the gospel that I preached, he says, I didn't receive it from any man. I wasn't taught it by any man, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel isn't man's gospel. The gospel's not about you, and it's not about me. I'm a simple guy. I asked God one time, I said, God, what's man's gospel? He says, man's gospel is all about man. Man having his sins forgiven. Man going to heaven when he dies. Man doing all the things he thinks he needs to do to be right with me. There's no music in that. There's condemnation, there's shame, there's the feelings of I'm not doing enough, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's comparison, there's insecurity, there's fear of man, there's exhaustion, there's burnout, there's unbelief, there's doubt. And I want to tell you, I feel in my heart, friends, that there's many here and that those things I just named, those things are playing in your soul. How many of you, if you're really, 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 really honest with me, a, a decent amount of your life you're battling against that soundtrack. Those things I just mentioned. Look up, look around. This is no shame, there's zero shame. But I wanna, I wanna prophesy and tell you tonight that that's not your inheritance. It's not your inheritance. For too long the church, they, when you were lost, they played a sound that you liked called the grace of God and you came into the kingdom. And then all of a sudden you're like, where's the music? Where did that sound go? And I'm telling you, church, we have, to, we have to learn. We have to learn the music of the gospel. We have to learn to sing it to one another. We, we have to learn, learn it in our hearts, but we have to learn to also remind one another and to sing and to remind of who Jesus is and what he's done and, and what is the grace of God and, and is the cross really that beautiful and is this, thing, is this thing really as good as God says it is? The answer is yes. But you can't do it alone. You don't climb some mountain in your closet by yourself. Come on. We, we, we grow up together in Him as we build each other up in love. You guys with me? Are y'all okay? Are you sure? Okay. Play something else. Nice. Just close your eyes. And I want you to picture that Jesus himself, Jesus Christ himself, who's alive today, he's like David in this room. And he's, and he's using the tension in your heart but he's, he's got to tune your heart to be just right so that he can begin to play that music upon your heart. So that when he says your name, and he says, I love you, and you're mine, 
that it moves you. You don't respond to God's truth by saying, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I know that. I've never responded to a good meal that someone served me and said, what is this, fajitas? <laughs> oh, thank you, but I know that. Can you imagine if I came to your house and you served me your world famous dish and I said, oh, what is this, a cheeseburger? I've had that, I know that. I'm good. What do you mean you're good? This wasn't meant to be known, this was meant to be eaten. The gospel is not something that you say, I know, it's meant to be consumed, it's meant to be enjoyed every day of your life. The truth that you know isn't, isn't to be known, it's to be eaten. It's to, be, it's to be drunk. Can you imagine, is there water? Can I get a water? I think that's mine right there. There's a little left, that's fine, that'll work. Let me have that. It doesn't matter how much you know about this. If you don't drink it, it does nothing for you. Well, this is H2O and two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. It's wet. I've had it before. Had it one time. I was really something called thirsty. It really was nice. <laughs> it's really a nice beverage. No, 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 no. Our posture towards this is it's life. We don't approach this. We approach this with humility. You, some of us are more humble towards water than we are God. We think, oh God, I already know that. Thank you. I have that filed away in the filing cabinet of my knowledge. And yet we humbly are like, I'm so thirsty. I'm so hangry. Give me in and out. Psalm 17, verse 15 says this, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. As for me, say as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. You were made to live under the face of God as a righteous son or daughter. The only way you can see the face of God clearly is in righteousness. I'm going to say it again. The only way you and I can see the face of God clearly is in righteousness. We sang a song tonight about, about cost. Lord. Amen. Let's see what she found. Huh. Speaking of Siri, this is random, but the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you don't have divine substance, you'll be impressed with artificial intelligence. 
There's a lot of people impressed with artificial, listen to the word, artificial intelligence because we don't have divine substance. Artificial intelligence will never have divine substance. It will never write something that carries the music of heaven. See, we're, we're, we're afraid of this tool because we don't have the divine substance of God. Artificial, listen to the word, listen to the phrase, artificial intelligence. People are amazed with this stuff. You know what I'm amazed at? God. I'm amazed at God. I'm amazed that God wants to dwell in me and wants to dwell in you. That's what amazes me. I'm, I'm amazed that I'm standing here a temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe because my Bible says that I'm a temple. The fact that we don't explode right now is amazing to me. See, how do we walk in and out of these doors? How do we exist with these truths that we know? How many of you know that truth, that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Is that the first time you've ever heard that tonight? So you know that truth, that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. How do we not walk around with our eyes about to bug out, going, and people are like, what, 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 what's wrong? I, Someone told me six years ago that I was a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I still can't get over it. What do you mean a temple of... God lives in here. What? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. What? Which God? Like a God you made up? No, 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 no. The one that created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. Love himself dwells in here. How? Aren't you a sinner? I've, I thought I was, but... But I know that God and sin can't dwell together, so, so something must have made me clean. You think it was the blood? I think it was the blood. How clean did the blood of Jesus make you and make me that God can live in here and we don't die immediately? You say, Peter, you're being intense. I'm not being intense. I'm being biblical. 2 Samuel chapter 6 Uzzah, they're bringing the ark of God that was a little wooden box that God lived in. They're bringing it back to the city and the, and the, and the oxen stumbles and Uzzah was in charge of looking after the cart and he reaches out. He's thinking to himself, I don't want God to spill out of this box. This man is a hero. <laughs> Amen, Uzzah. But he reaches out and he touches, he, he tries to stabilize the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I don't believe God killed Uzzah. I believe Uzzah, a sinful man who didn't have the blood of Yeshua. See, the blood of bulls and goats could only cleanse him from the outside. He couldn't get them clean. The blood of a bull or goat couldn't clean the man on the inside. So he still had sin on the inside. And sin came in contact with holy, and holy consumed sin. And Uzzah died. And yet here we are in the new covenant. You got to play something crazy when I say new covenant. Like, like a melody, like some sort of... When you hear like the grace of God, the grace of God, the new covenant, your face should... You, you should light up. You should light up. Covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
this, this is it. See, if you guys came here looking for me to impress you, you'll be disappointed. I'm just going to sing you a song you already know. I want to talk to you about what you already know. I want to teach you to eat and drink tonight. Some of you are waiting for me to start my sermon. I started 20 minutes ago. <laughs> You're like, when is he going to start? I started. Because, because what am I doing? I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to teach you a different approach to the Word of God. Because let me tell you something. If it was working, you wouldn't be still struggling with pornography, with anxiety, with depression, with fear. It wouldn't be there. You know why? Because the Bible teaches that the grace of God saves us. You know, we, we, have, we have theologically, we've done so many theological gymnastics to minimize that word saved. What happens if you save a sinner? What's left? Come on. If God saves a sinner, t someone talk to me. A saint. What else? If you save a sinner, what's left? Freedom. So we need to be honest. Church, listen to me, please. My dad raised me to be real, to be honest. I don't pretend. I try not to fake it till I make it. I try to get real with God. If I've got something in my soul that I know is not from heaven, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is out of bounds. This doesn't line up with what you promised me, which is to save me. I was stuck in a pornography addiction for years of my life. Years. And, and, I, and I hated it, but I didn't want it. But this, listen to me. No one ever told me that I could be free. I, I, I believed, I, there was a, I had a, I had a version of Christianity that didn't promise me true freedom. It promised me I could go to heaven one day, but here on this earth, I'm just going to continue to struggle until he comes back. And I want to tell you tonight, I want to tell you tonight in the name of Jesus, through his word, that he, he's, he's more than capable, more than able, but it is not your inheritance to have a tormented soul. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we have to ask ourselves, how can I know all of the notes of the sheet music and yet this other song is still in my soul? And the only thing that we can conclude is that, and, and there's a lot of things we conclude. We think, well, I'm not doing enough. Anyone struggle with that? You think you're still struggling because you're not doing enough. Come on, be real in church. Just raise your hand. Everyone, I'm not a prophet. Look, at, look around. Raise your hand high. No, keep it up. I want you to look around. Look at how many people they think, I'm struggling because I'm, because I'm. Where did that come from? Came from a gospel that is man's gospel. That when you came into the kingdom, your eyes were on you. And it doesn't negate your salvation, doesn't negate your born-again experience, doesn't negate the fact that you're a child, a son, or daughter of God. What it does is it tells you that, that there is an aspect of your perspective that is more focused on you than on God. And the way to freedom, 
See, listen, this is what went wrong in the garden. This is the very effect of sin upon humanity. Everyone that raised their hand doesn't mean that you're sinning. It means it's the effect of sin upon your soul. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then then what does the Bible say? The very next verse, what does it say? No, they didn't hide. Their eyes were opened. And what did they see? This is the issue. This sin, obsessed with self, is at the root of every issue. I don't want any mixture. The Bible teaches that that anything going on in your heart, soul, or mind, at the root of it, is something called sin. Again, doesn't mean that you're just all the time like you're, you're sinning. It means that sin has afflicted your soul. Are you with me? Biblically, there's not 10 ways to deal with sin. I'm going to set some of you free tonight in the name of Jesus. There's not 10 ways to freedom. There's not 46 ways to deal with anxiety. There's not 17 ways of path of get to freedom. There's one way. Now people will say, well, what's the way? It's Jesus. And they'll shout it, but they don't know the way. Because when Jesus said, follow me, he actually went somewhere. He wasn't just like, follow me. They're like, Jesus. Ah!" You know, running around screaming. He then went somewhere. He looked at men and he said, hey, you, you follow me. You follow me. He called men. He said, you follow me. And they said, okay. And that calling, so some of you heard that calling. You heard God call your name and say, you follow me. And you said, okay. And it seems cool because now the Messiah is calling you like, God's calling my name. Yeah, what's up? I was a fisherman. What's up? Now God's calling me. Now I belong. Now I'm in the tribe. What's up? And you should feel that way. When God calls your name, you should feel like, what's up? God called my name. I belong. He called my name. I got called. He called, I've been called by God. This is a confession of your mouth. You should wake up Monday morning and you'd be like, I've been called by God. Oh, hallelujah. This will break off every sense of purposelessness in your life. I've been called by God. What do you mean called? Meaning he said my name and he said, I want you to follow me. That's a calling. That's a calling. We so hyper spiritual. We, we make everything so complicated in the church. I have five children. When I call my, Isaac, hey, come here. That's a calling. Oh, what's my calling? Your calling is that God said your name and said, come. And I have a path for you. And the path, his name is Jesus. But there's a path. How many of you, you want to know your calling? Raise your hand. I already told you the punchline. That's it. Gotcha. God, if you want to be called... What's my calling? He calls your name and he says, you follow me. And so then it's awesome. And if you read the gospel, now I'm getting in the Bible. Are you guys with me? I'm in the Bible. <laughs> it's open. You, the guy didn't open his Bible. It, he did open it right here. 
He said, follow me. And then what did he do? He healed the sick, cast out devils. He walked perfectly, man walked on water. And you see this tension. Remember I told you, you can't have music without tension. See this, this bass, it doesn't, it doesn't play the right sound unless here and here has a tension. As soon as you take the tension away from the bass or well, I don't know, that's digital. The, the sound doesn't work. And so, and so now you have the disciples and Jesus and now there's tension. First of all, first of all, there's tension in the fact that God became a man. If that doesn't cause you tension, you're not looking at the incarnation right. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. He was pleased to dwell. Do you know what that tells me? God could not fit in a tiger. God could not fit in a lion. God could not fit in the trees. God could not manifest himself through any other creation except a human being. God fit in a man. No, 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 you didn't hear me. God fit in a man. You're like, why, who, who cares? It matters because you can't follow God unless he put on a man suit. Imagine him from the cosmos, follow me, and he's like, I can't. You're up there, I'm down here, I can't follow you. But guess what he did? He became a baby. And he says, hey, 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 I'm now becoming like you. I'm redeeming this whole thing that went wrong. And so he came and he, he said, ta-da, I look like you, sound like you, I talk like you. And he says, all right, now you follow me. And they're watching him. And there's tension now because they're like, okay, man, when this guy prays, stuff happens cripple people getting up out of chairs water he seems to think like it's like the floor he's calming storms and now there's tension in these guys because he's rebuking them listen this is not fair the gospels are tension the gospel is this is this thing of tension where you're like lord this is unfair they're in the boat drowning and they pray to jesus jesus help us and he rebukes them for praying to him to save them He's like, why are you have little faith? And they're like, I, I don't know, because you haven't died yet. You haven't filled me with the Holy Ghost yet. Like, we would say that now, you know? But they're like, I, I don't know. We just did what we knew to do. And he's like, ah, frustrated, you know? I want you to follow me. So he's, he's demonstrating this supernatural life of being in relationship with his father. And then they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, he's the Messiah. Now they start getting it. They're like, he's going to rule and reign and we're it. Yo, we're it. We got on the ground floor of Bitcoin, like this thing is happening. Jesus is going to rule. See, the Jews believed that when Jesus came, they thought he was going to basically subvert Rome, Roman rule, Caesar, and, and conquer. They thought he was coming as a, as a conquering king. And so now the 12, as, the, as it gets unveiled to them, they're like, oh my gosh, we're about to revolt. We're about to do this thing. This is why Peter has a sword in the, in the garden. He's like, oh, we're going to go. Dude's ears coming off. <laughs> Which, by the way, can we just 30 seconds touch that story? 
on the incredible nature of Jesus, he picks up a bloody ear, puts it back on the dude, and rebukes his own guy for chopping the ear off and says nothing to the guy who's coming to arrest him. We will see this man in heaven. I'm certain. He comes to arrest Jesus. Moments later, his ear's on the floor. And the man he's arresting, he's, he's freaking. You guys, read, have you read your Bible? Do you ever, have you ever watched a movie and they show the graphic scene where the bloody thing, and you're like, why would the producer do that? Jesus, God did that. He's like, here's a bloody ear. And Jesus takes the bloody ear and puts it back on the man. He doesn't hold the ear out and be like, dude, you are on the wrong side of this thing. If you come to my side and repent, I'll put your ear back on. Hey, listen, if you pray this prayer, I'll put your ear back on. If you promise to follow me and leave everything at all costs, if you give me your highest conviction, I'll, uh, I'll give you your ear back. He doesn't talk that way. He just takes the ear, looks at him in his eyes, puts it back on, says to his man, put your sword away. Jesus is awesome. So these 12 disciples, they're like, they're like, this is on. Remember, what, what did Jesus tell the disciples? What did he tell us? What's their calling? What's your calling? So when you wake up and you have purpose and you start to feel lonely, you feel like, like I don't have a plan on this earth. No, no, no. I've been called by God. I want you to practice that. I'm teaching you how to speak Christian tonight. Say, I've been called by God. I've been called by God. You walk around your house. In your PJs, I've been called by God. I've been called by God. You need to learn how to talk like a Christian, like a son of God, like a daughter of God. Look at yourself. You tell your family member, you tell your mom and your dad and your uncle, I've been called by God. I have been called by God. See, I'm, I'm raising warriors who've been called by God. My daughter, Faith, who's 11 years old, writes a letter to her principal because she wants to start a Jesus club in her school. I didn't tell her how to write the letter. I just said, you're going to have to write a letter to your principal. And in her letter to the principal, she says this. She says, I have a calling to preach the gospel to my generation, and I will not quit or leave this calling. And she asked for my feedback about the letter. And I was like, baby girl, I'm not going to touch this at all. This is awesome. You're about to make dad run through a wall. Do we teach our kids to talk like Christians? They don't know better. They just believe God. Now, this thing gets awesome until we keep following Jesus. And if you keep following Jesus, you end up at a bloody cross. People say, well, what's the way? It's Jesus. Yes, it's Jesus, but there's a specific way. There's a life of miracles. There's a confrontation. There's, a, there's the, the great feeling of I've now been called by God, but all of a sudden along this journey of following Jesus, you are going to encounter the bloody cross. And I want to tell you guys, I lost my brother to cancer when I was four years old. He was two years old. I hate suffering. 
I, I, have, I have, for years of my life, I hated movies that portrayed suffering. You know, when the person gets sick and dies, you know, people talk about the romantic movie, The Notebook and everything. People get sick and die, like, I love that movie. I'm like, I can't, I can't stomach it because I have an aversion to suffering. I'm, I, don't, I don't want to look, I don't want to look at it. I don't want my heart to sit there. I'm a, I'm a victory guy. I'm, I'm like, let's get to the vic- let's get to the resurrection. Come on, where's my resurrection people at? I'm a bunch of charismatics in here like, yeah, shakarabarada. <laughs> but if you're shakarabarada and your soul's not free and you're still wrestling with sin, you need the cross. You remember the only way to freedom, the only way to deal with sin biblically is the cross of Jesus Christ. He's not going to deal with it any other way, friends. I want to tell you that with, with, with I, I, I've been in ministry and around church for 14 years now, and I see so many people trying to bring their issues and to find a different way outside of the cross. You guys said tonight you wanted to pour a costly perfume upon him. Did you mean that? This is that. It's nothing to do with, your costly perfume is nothing to do with singing loud. It doesn't cost you anything. Let's be real. It doesn't cost me anything to sing loud to God tonight. Can we be real? I'm not diminishing passionate worship at all. That's not perfume. Perfume is something that you actually, if we're going to properly exegesis, that was, that was her life. That perfume was her life. Do you understand that? That was, that was everything in her bank account and then some. That was her life. So when we talk about giving Jesus a costly perfume, what we're saying is, okay, Lord, you can have all of my sins. I'm going to stop identifying with everything that I receive from Adam. Every generational iniquity, every depression, every anxiety. People, I hear people say all the time, my depression, my anxiety. It's not yours. What do you mean your depression, your anxiety? You're either born again or you're still identifying with Adam, the old man. See, Adam was nailed to a cross. Everything that you're experiencing of the fall of man was nailed to a cross. And when you, when you choose to follow Jesus, that's not just his cross. See, and I, I, I had to learn this the hard way because he sat me down on that cross and he sat me down at his feet and he knew where I came from. He knew the loss I experienced. He knew the pain. I'm not, I'm not up here popping off, not having experienced trial. We buried a friend in our community, a, a 36-year-old mom of four kids, last week. And when you, when you face pain like that, you're aware that there's a veil between here and there. There's a veil, like you can't see. And do you know the only thing I could do? Because I'm, I'm like, it's real. She, she gave birth to a baby girl like seven months ago. It was her dream, she had three boys. Her dream was just to be a mom. Amazing woman of God, woman of God. Infection came in her body that had to amputate her legs, fighting infection. 
and then she and then she passed on Labor Day we were contending we were believing we were amen we believe God amen we still believe God but in that moment in that moment on that day on that Monday that I we're, we're go to her funeral that we bury her all I can do is I go home and I'm and I'm and I'm both numb and I'm and I'm broken but I'm numb y'all know y'all know what I'm talking about <clears throat> and I just got on my knees and I said God I said I'm not God and you are and I just humble myself before you and I said I surrender all my questions and all my why's and I just I get low all I could do the only thing that was balm for my soul wasn't trying to grapple with why it was just to it was just to prostrate myself before the living God knowing that beyond the veil of that which I can see that there is a God in heaven who is eternal who is good and even though I cannot see through the situation I have to trust him I get to trust him why how can you do that because I've spent a lot of time staring at Jesus hanging on the cross bleeding and dying breathing heavy the Holy Spirit's made the cross real to me I can't make it real for you the Holy Spirit will make it real to you but when he calls you to that cross to to look at it to not look away to not turn away do you know how many people in Rome that day didn't go up to Golgotha to witness the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen there were people that walked by the said oh people are being tortured again on Golgotha I'm not going that way would you go that way here in Houston if there was a hill where people were being killed you wouldn't go that way you would you would go you would make a point to go out of the way and yet something happens to our hearts something happens to our old man something happens to those old thought patterns Something happens to that thing inside of you that says, God, do you really love me? Come on, again, I'm not a prophet, but how many of you, raise your hand, you're like, that, that question rattles around a lot. God, do you really love me? Okay, 16 of you being real with me. Awesome. I used to ask this question. I said, God, do you really love me? God, I don't, I start pointing to circumstances. God is a savage but in love and he in one day he just he just took me and he just put me right before his bleeding son and he says ask me again ask me if I love you ask him I couldn't get the words out and I haven't asked him since And every time I'm tempted to think that I'm defined by a sinful thought or a sinful whatever, I remind myself that that wasn't just Jesus' cross. It was mine. So when he said, follow me, he fully intended for me to take every step along his path. Jesus didn't say, follow me, and then, oh, by the way, when I get to the cross, I'm going to do it all, and then you just, I'll leave you behind. Come on. 
You know where freedom comes from? When you can say with integrity, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said it. See, Jesus' cross had become Paul's cross. He could say with integrity, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. But that's how faith talks. Faith talks that way. Faith takes the path of Jesus and it makes it your own. Why? Because you see that every step along Jesus' path was an invitation for you and I to become one with him. You guys with me? So he says to the cross, he's, he's hanging there and he says, hey, that pornography, that, that generational sin, that divorce that you're afraid you're going to have, that, that sickness, that disease, you know you can consider yourself dead to that. You don't have, you, listen, permission tonight, some of you are going to get delivered. You don't have to figure out why you're messed up. I'm telling you, that's the human path. Well, let's examine why you're feeling this way. Let's examine. Let me tell you. Let me save you some time. It's called sin. Oh, I know we don't like it. This is the costly thing because you have to give up control. You actually have to, you actually have to go through the cross into the grave. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Where did he go? He went, ended up in the grave. This means that you and I have to be willing to consider ourselves, Romans 6, dead to sin and alive to God. Are you willing to do that tonight? This is my question. Every, every sin, I don't care how long you've been struggling with it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not impressive to me. Your sin doesn't impress me and it doesn't impress God. Your weakness and your brokenness and how, how long and how much torment. And that, I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm just saying your, your weakness and that brokenness isn't bigger than the love of God. And we do a disservice in the body of Christ when we allow people to magnify their human story over the gospel story. I'm not, again, hear my heart. I'm not diminishing pain. God's heart breaks for your pain. But he provided you a way of escape called salvation by grace through faith. And it's only those who have faith in the man Jesus who experience the music. But there's something called salvation and righteousness and beholding his face. And I'm telling you, friends, it's the abundant life. And it's what you were made for. But you have to be willing tonight. You have to be willing to let go of that identity. You have to be willing to consider that you might be someone who walks in freedom. I want you to imagine tonight what it would look like if you walked in freedom the rest of your days. Oh, we're, we're laughing now. That's good. Now we're thinking about it. Now we're being confronted with certain doubts in our heart. I've been there, but I'm telling you, I've tasted of the goodness of God. I've walked free from pornography for 20 years. I'm free. I don't know if y'all believe me. I'm free. <laughs> I, I don't, it's not a, I, I, yeah, will the enemy come with temptations? Yeah, but I'm walking in dominion over sin in this area. 
Romans 6.14, for sin will have no dominion over you, 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 over all of us. The Bible says sin will have no dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but you're under grace. It's the grace of God. Well, how do you get free? It's not the law. It's not do this, don't do this. It's not try harder. Church, you can't. That's the whole point. You can't make yourself free. Hebrews 13, do not be led away by strange and diverse teachings. But it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. If your heart's weak, if you're, if you're succumbed, if you feel overwhelmed. Oh, we got scriptures coming up. You guys are assassins, yes. You gotta have it up and you gotta say it, put it in your mouth. Say, sin will have no dominion over me because I'm not under law. I'm under grace. Romans 5, 17, to those who receive the abundance of grace. Yeah, come on, join me. For, to those who receive the abundance of grace, and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ reign in life give me the soundtrack for reigning in life David give me the soundtrack I want you to stand to your feet we need the soundtrack for reigning in life I need some help on the drums I'm gonna have Aaron come up and Alzavian, we're gonna minister to you. Listen to me, look to me. I, wanna, I just wanna tell you from my heart, I'm a real guy. I've got, I'm married, I've got five kids. I did, we missed all of that. We didn't meet each other. I'm just real, I'm a guy, but I'm amazed at God. And this gospel's real. And the gospel is the power of God. The gospel has everything to do with God. And so if you're in that place tonight where you've just been that symbol thing you were doing, bro. Can he hear me? He can't hear me. Yeah, you'll tell him. When he had the symbols with the pads and we were in the thing, God liked that. I liked that. I don't know if God liked that. I think he liked it. I want to breathe hope into you. I want you to reign in life. You're not, you're, you're not going to just get by. It's the abundance of grace. You cannot attain righteousness by yourself. It's a gift. And when you allow yourself to be crucified with Christ, to be buried with Him, and to be resurrected with Him in newness of life, guess what He does? Is He lifts you up, He sits you down with Him in heaven, and that is the place from being seated with Christ in heavenly places that you rule and reign in this earth. You do not rule and reign sweating and, and, and charging into the fray. You rule and reign from a seat. It's a place of rest. Why do the nations rage? Psalm 2, you guys can help me out. Why do the nations rage? He who what? Sits in the heavens 
laughs. Why does he laugh? The nations are raging. Why is he laughing? Because his lordship, his authority is not challenged by who wins the election of the United States of America. He doesn't care who's in power over Russia, the Middle East. He who sits in the heaven has got a smile on his face because he's Lord. Jesus is Lord. This is our confession. We will not be moved by the shakings of our times, the shakings of our days. Why? Because we live in a different realm. And we live as recipients of the grace of God. Lord, we receive tonight the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of your grace. Father, I'm asking that you would pour your grace on every heart in this place tonight. Pour your grace out upon us. God, would you break off our identification with the old man? We want to behold your face in righteousness, Lord. We are tired of living this life without seeing your face, without the brightness of your countenance tattooing our hearts and our own countenances with delight. God, we repent where we, have, where we have exalted our own sin and brokenness over the beauty and the majesty of your gospel. I'm not going to respond to God for you, but I want you, if that's you, I just, I just feel an invitation to, to repentance tonight. Not, not necessarily, you may have some tears, but to turn away from your old man to see that the cross is enough I really felt that that this is the costly perfume as he's saying will you allow me the joy and the privilege of taking all of your old man once and for all and the beautiful thing about Jesus when he died he lied there dead for three days But when he rose, there was no more dead man. There was no more old man. They went into the tomb where the dead people are, but there was no more dead man. I like living not aware of my old man. I don't know about you, if you've not lived only conscious of your new man in Jesus, you haven't lived. You're like, where is selfishness at? I'm trying to find it. I can't find selfishness and complaining and sexual sin. Where did it go? I, oh, I don't know. I'm just alive to righteousness. I'm alive to Jesus. My boast is not in myself. My boast is in the cross of Christ. That's my boast. I'm boasting that he killed my man and I can't find it anymore. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, come on. Lord, we want to be alive to you, awake to you. Open our blind eyes, God. If this episode has been as impactful to you as it has been to me, then I would encourage you to share it with some friends and just discuss the difference between just knowing the notes and actually hearing the song. So I bless you. We'll see you next week.